Good morning, and welcome to our worship service at First Church. I'd like to welcome all of our guests, any visitors that are with us, and also those listening on radio. And also to all the fathers out there, I wish you all a very happy Father's Day. Before we start our service for the rest of June, and it helps Auglaize County Emergency Relief Team uh, help with cleanup and and uh, supplies for people that suffered tornado damage. And that concludes my announcements. To start our service this morning, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship? This morning is taken from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, and you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I call to you for help. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from my down to Sing the praises of the Lord, you, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will you, bust, will you dust praise you? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear the Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my Please remain standing for opening hymn number 220, He Lives.
you may be seated. This time I'd like to invite forward Brad and Casey Phillips and their daughter Lenny Jo for baptism this morning. And Lila looks like she's coming up to join us too. Good morning. Is she sleeping? Oh, man. We're going to do our best not to disturb that. Oh, man. Well, I'm so glad you guys are here with us this morning. So glad that we can can participate in the sacrament as a church family together. Uh, I want you to hear these words. This is we do this because Jesus commanded us to do this. In Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20, he tells his disciples, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of this age." And so it's in obedience to this command that we baptize believers and their children. In Acts chapter 2, during the the sermon on the day of Pentecost, Peter tells the people gathered there that day, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. So Brad and Casey, having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Lenny be baptized this morning? Praise God. Now, obviously, Lenny is, well, not only sleeping, but too young to uh, make a statement of faith herself. And so this morning, we're here to hear your statement of faith and, and, and the, the trust that you have in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, knowing that, that you plan to pass on that faith and plan to share that faith with her so that as she grows, she will know the Lord. As she gets older, she will then be able to make a decision for herself to affirm, uh, affirm that same faith in her own life. And so I ask you the following questions to hear your faith. It says, do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? And do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? We will. Praise God. And now as a statement of our, of our shared faith, let's read from the Apostles' Creed together. The words are printed in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal Christian church, the forgiveness of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, you've made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw her to yourself, just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. And may she grow to love you with all of her heart, all of her soul, all of her mind, and all of her strength. And we also pray for her parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make this day. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Brad and Casey, since you have presented Lenny for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Lenny by word and example with the help of the Christian community and the truth of God's word and the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? We do. Praise God. Praise God. Now, they're not 
in this alone, of course. Now, faith formation, we believe, begins in the home, and it's the primary responsibility of the parents to pass on that faith to their children. That's why they're up here making this commitment today. But, but they're not called to do that on their own. They're, we are a part of a, of a church family, and we want to come alongside them and support them and help them in any way we can. There's uh, formal things we do as a church, such as, well, baptism, there's Sunday school classes, confirmation, youth group, all of those things are kind of formal things we do as a church to help and come alongside you as a family to help you pass on that faith. But there's lots of informal things to do as well, and that begins with prayer. It begins with the loving support of a church family to, to help them, to come alongside them, to give them that emotional uh, and spiritual support that they need as they uh, go through their lives as parents and as a family together. And so uh, we as a church, uh, we are, have a part and a role to play as well. And I want to encourage you to support them prayerfully, support them lovingly, and, and if needed, help them out uh, physically and materially as well. Um, we are in this together, and, and, that is, uh, and that's one way for us as a church family to show them our support as they make this commitment today. And so uh, I encourage you uh, to, in just a moment, read along with me the words that are printed in your bulletin. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Lenny from, into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her and to assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and to help you know and follow Christ. Amen. Should we try? All right. Good morning. Lenny Joe Phillips, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Lenny. Bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to her the riches of your love. Deepen her faith. Keep her from the power of evil. Enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also ask that you look with kindness on Brad and Casey. Let them always rejoice in the gift that you have given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit, that they may bring up Lenny to know you, love you, and serve you and her neighbor. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Now as they make their way back to their seats, uh, I invite you to stand and join with us as we sing uh, Borning Cry. The words are on the back of your bulletin. Let's stand and sing this together.
seated. This time it's my joy to invite forward Mr. Steve Maurer. Uh, he's here this morning to uh, share some special music during our offering time. He's a member of the uh, German Manator. Menachor. I knew I was going to pronounce that wrong. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get to take German with him. Some of you may recognize him. Uh, he spent, I believe, a couple of years here in the New Knoxville schools teaching German. Uh, I won't say how long ago. I'll let you do that if you want to. Uh, but he is here to share a little bit about uh, the concert that is taking place this afternoon in celebration of the, uh, the, the first on the moon celebration that is happening all year long uh, and, and offer some special music for us this morning. So I want to invite forward the, the deacons that are helping with the offering uh, to please come forward and and collect the offering as he is uh, sharing and, and singing us singing for us this morning thank you steve thank you Pastor. uh first let me say uh and let me ask is there anyone here that were in my german classes ah well then you should come up here and help me sing we did some of that in class as i recall uh, we, we have to talk afterward that's that's wonderful i i uh was there anyone else Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, uh, who's that back there? Haberkamp Dean. Schön guten Tag, Dean. Yeah, alles in Ordnung. Yeah, gut. Wunderbar. Well, first of all, I want to tell you all what a great pleasure it is for me to return here. I think... Uh, tell me, students, if I'm wrong, that once upon a time, uh, we, uh, we did services with the German class, uh, once here, once at the Methodist Church and once here, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, see, you have experience, uh, and I'm glad I gave it to you. Uh, but you participated because you had to read the lessons in German. And participate and help with that, those services. That was uh, that was wonderful. I, I'm supposed to be up here singing. I haven't yet. I shall. Uh, but uh, what's going on this afternoon uh, is a celebration of heritage, uh, focused certainly on uh, a son of this community, uh, Neil Armstrong. Um, but it's, it's, uh, and on a Father's Day, it, uh, Father's Day, Mother's Day, that's our heritage. And we bring that, we bring all that together, um, with a language. Most, much of that has been lost. We don't know it as well as our grandparents did. I haven't attempted to keep with it. Uh, but uh, the uh, there's a hymn, God of our fathers, known of old. Somehow, the whole idea of song and German song sticks with us and becomes a part of our heritage, uh, our life, our music, uh, and and stays with us uh, in many ways. Much of what's in the hymnal that you have comes from, uh, comes from a, a host of German hymns. Example, Nun danket alle Gott mit Herzen, Mund und Händen, der große Dinge tut auf uns und allen Enden. Der uns von Mutter lieb und Kindesbeinen an und selig viel zu gut, bis hierher hat getan. I'm sure you recognize that one. There are others, of course, that I, I know a few, but I'm only allowed so much time. I have to compete with the kids today, and you never want to compete with a bunch of kids after vacation Bible school, they they get deserve more time up here than I get. But um, you know, our ancestors when they came here, they brought music with them, they brought folk songs with them, they brought hymns with them. 
uh, hymns of faith and strength. They brought hymns of protest. There's an interesting number that I think encouraged people, uh, gave people hope and reason to come into this new land. It's called Die Gedanken sind frei. The thoughts are free. This was a, a student song, a protest song, but it was one that people brought with them into this free land. And I found an English translation, and I'll sing one verse of it. It begins, Die Gedanken sind frei, my thoughts freely flower. Die Gedanken sind frei, my thoughts give me power. No scholar can map them, no hunter can trap them, no one can deny. Die Gedanken sind frei, the thoughts are free. And our ancestors brought that hope, that prayer with them, along with their songs from the church and the songs of uh, the, the folk songs, many, many. Um, but one thing they did when they came here was recognize they were part of a new land. But you know, they didn't... Uh, they began translating the songs that we take for granted as Americans. For example, uh, one that uh, by 1860 was... Uh, pretty much known by German-Americans here in New Knoxville and in Botkins and all over the United States. And uh, I think you've heard it before. It goes something like this. I won't sing the whole thing, but you, you know the rest. Oh, sagt könnt ihr sehen in dem Morgenrotstrahl, was so stolz für im scheidenden Abendrot grüßten. Well, say, can you see that the dawn's early light? Or... Heil dir mein Vaterland, erwünscht der Freiheitsstrand, dich grüß ich gern. A, a German translation of America. Well, it didn't take long, and people here uh, were not uh, Germans living in America. They were Americans who happened to speak German too. It's uh, unfortunate the when the First World War came, it had a lot to do with other folks trying to make us make people ashamed of their heritage when they forgot that that heritage had been renewed and taken upon people, uh, as I said before, that they were not Germans living in America, but Americans who happened to speak German. Uh, I won't I won't dwell too much longer. There's a there's a toast I found uh, that's indicative of that. It comes from the celebration of the Germans of Columbus, Ohio, central Ohio, in 1843. And it's four stanzas. I'll do the first one. First in German, then in English. Was wir lieben, fern und nah, jetzt auf des Otto Strand, in dem neuen Vaterland, dir dies Glas, America. And what that says is, what we treasure far and near, now on the Scioto's strand, in our chosen fatherland, our chosen fatherland, to you this glass, America. So as by 1843, those people were certainly not Germans living in America. They were Americans who hap happened to speak German. And that's, that's what today's celebration is all about. I'm with the Columbus Menor Corps. We've been around since 1848, and some people say I look like I was here at the beginning, uh, but that's not the case. Uh, so we, we enjoy continuing that heritage uh, of uh, German song, and uh, we hope that some of you, as many as you can, will... Uh, will join us this, this afternoon for the concert. I'll end with uh, a, uh, another familiar hymn. One of my favorites. Um, 
<coughs> Beautiful Savior. Schönster Herr Jesu, Herrscher aller Herren, Gottes und Mariensohn, dich will ich lieben, dich will ich ehren, du meiner Werte Freud und Kron. Alle die Schönheit, Himmels und der Erde, ist verfasst in dir allein. Nicht soll mir werden, lieber auf Erden, als du der Liebste Jesu mein. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Lost in our service, other Americans from all over the world. Fort Polk, Louisiana, Sergeant Willard Magoon, 25, from Panton, Vermont. In Alaska, Sergeant First Class Russell Anthony Hepler, 35, from Fort Greeley, Arkansas. In Virginia, Aviation Structural Mechanic First Class Walter B. Driggers, 32, from Savannah, Georgia. In Japan, Aviation Electrician Airman Jordan C. Cook, 22. Thank you, Jay. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, just a couple things. I just want to thank Steve Maurer for being here and sharing with us this morning about uh, about the German choir and what they do. And I do want to encourage anyone who's able to come back this afternoon uh, for that celebration. It's going to be a, a great time and, and hope uh, hope many of us are able to, to join in with that. Two o'clock. Yes, thank you, Bob, for the reminder. Yes, two o'clock this afternoon here in the sanctuary. Uh, on, a, on a more serious note, we do want to... Uh, make you aware uh, and ask for your prayers for the family of Ed Oberlander who passed away last night. Uh, we uh, don't have any details about uh, his service or anything like that at this point, uh, obviously, but we do ask for your prayers for his family as well. With that in mind, let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Uh, Lord, on this Father's Day, we acknowledge and thank you for uh, that you are our Heavenly Father, that through our uh, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, you have made it, you have adopted us into your family. You have made us sons and daughters, and we thank you for that great and precious gift. We ask that you also be with our earthly fathers, that you would bless them this day, and thank you for the gift that they are to our families. We do ask for prayer for the family of Ed Oberlander. We ask that you would be with them, and, uh, that your spirit would bring them peace and comfort at this time. Uh, Lord, help them through, uh, through this loss. And Lord, as we reflect this day on, on Lazarus, we also are grateful, Lord, that you, uh, you know, you mourn with those who mourn and you weep with those who weep. And so we, we offer up our, our prayers for them on their behalf and, and Lord, help us to, to mourn with them as well in a way that brings them comfort and peace. Uh, Lord, we, we know that there are many, many medical and, and other needs, Lord, represented in our bulletin and others that, that we carry in in the, the silence of our hearts. And we ask for your provision, your healing, 
and your presence to be made known in each of those situations. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Good morning. Welcome. Instead of having you stand, we have quite a lengthy scripture this morning, and I do invite you to open your pew Bibles. We will begin reading John 11, beginning on page 1076 in the New Testament, if you'd like to follow along. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth wrapped around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Thank you, Sharon. 
before we take a few moments to reflect on this text, I want to remind all the, the children that are here this morning to help out with the, the closing song. Um, Connie will be gathering uh, next door at the ministry center with our friends from the Methodist Church and others who weren't able to be here with us for the service this morning. But if you are here in the service and you want to just remain here and come forward and join them when they come in uh, to the front steps, you are, you're welcome to do that as well. Just be ready to come forward when that time comes. Let's pray, uh, pray to the Lord together. Jesus, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. We thank you that all who believe in you and trust in you, uh, though we may die, we know that we shall live. Help us to understand uh, that reality uh, for ourselves and help us to find hope uh, in that truth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. When I was in high school, I remember being a part of a, a Bible study that met, uh, I think it was Sunday evenings. Uh, there was a group of us that got together and we were working through different studies. And I remember being in John and, and, and studying this passage together. One of the things we did is, is we began each time reading God's word out loud so that we could hear it and follow along and all those sorts of things. And, and we got through the story and we began to talk about Jesus' response to the death of Lazarus. And one of my friends was talking, she, she was talking about how a lot of people cope with grief and sadness in different ways. And some people just need to do things to keep themselves busy, like clean the house. And, and also she just kept going on about cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. And I couldn't, we were all just so confused. And we looked at her, we said, what are you talking about finally? And she said, well, it says right there, Jesus heard about Lazarus and he began sweeping the house. She thought he had said, Jesus swept instead of Jesus wept. Um, <laughs> And so, it is, well, although it is true that many of us approach grief and sorrow in different ways, that's not what Jesus was doing here. Jesus, it says here, the very shortest verse in all of Scripture, just two words, Jesus wept. He mourned. He grieved over the loss of his friend. Even the people gathered there saw Jesus and they knew that, they had lo- that he had loved his friend uh, so much and was moved by his passing. Uh, but I want to I want to take a, a few moments here this morning and and reflect on why what what these two short words can teach us about who Jesus is uh, and, and importantly what that means for us as well. Number one, I think the most obvious thing that we can gather here, kind of the, the plain reading of this passage, is that Jesus grieved like the rest of us. Jesus experienced and felt human emotions just like we do when we experience loss and sorrow. You know, those are very real human emotions, and Jesus, being fully human as well as fully God, experienced the full range of those. We see throughout his earthly ministry, his experience of joy. Uh, we see him righteously angry at the, the money changers in the temple. And here we see him weep and filled with grief and sorrow. So, so there's the, the kind of obvious reason is that Jesus felt grief, he felt sorrow, and he was expressing that in a very real and, and important way. And this isn't the only time that Jesus cried as well. We see in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus wept over Jerusalem as he stood and looked over the city, realizing uh, they were just about to reject him, their, his create, their creator and Lord. Romans 12:15 encourages us to mourn with those who mourn, to weep with those who weep, right? That's, that's what Jesus is doing here. I believe he's not crying so much for Lazarus. He knew what he was about to do. But he was weeping as, along with Mary and Martha and all those who were gathered to mourn Lazarus' passing. You see, God hears our cries. He hears our laments. He hears our, our sorrow, and he responds. One of the, I think, most profound passages in Scripture that shows this is from Exodus chapter 2. Uh, verses 23, excuse me, 24 and 25. The people of Israel had been living in Egypt for generations and they had come under the yoke of slavery uh, and were uh, being oppressed. And it says in verse 23 that their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. That's the heart of God right there. He sees our grief. He sees our pain and he is concerned about it. And so Jesus, as he was standing there and and saw the grief and the hardship that they were going through, he empathized with them and he understood what they were going through. And so Jesus experienced and, and expressed his pain and his sorrow in real ways as a as a way to empathize with them, but also to express his own emotions, which is a good and healthy thing to do. But I think there's more going on here as well. 
uh, beyond just the expression of human emotions. I believe another reason why Jesus cried and, and wept at the death of his friend Lazarus is because death is always tragic. Death is always sad. Even if it's expected, even if it's the end of a long battle with cancer, even if it's, 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 it's coming, you know it's coming, it's still sad because it means separation from a loved one. Death itself is not a part of God's original plan for this creation. Death is a result of, of sin and the fall and the curse, right? And so death, God is the giver of life. Therefore, death, which is the opposite of life, is an affront to God. Life is always valuable and precious and a gift. And, and anything that, that destroys that or disrupts that is an affront to our Creator. And so in a way, Jesus is, is sad over the death of his friend, but he's also sad and even angry over the reality of death itself, that the people he loves and the people he created have to experience it in the first place. Reason number three, I believe, that Jesus wept here is that he understood that this world that we live in is a world that is broken and affected by sin. And so in a way, to bring Lazarus back to life meant that he was bringing his friend back into a world where he would experience more pain and grief and sorrow because that is the reality of, a, of living in a world broken by sin. See, we believe as Christians that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right? And Paul himself even struggled with this in Philippians chapter 1. He says, for me, it, it is far better for me to go and to be with the Lord. To live is for Christ and to die is, is our gain. Right? That, he understood that for the, the person who is trusted in Christ, it is far better to go and to be in the presence of the Lord where there is no more pain or suffering or grief. But for us who are still here, for us who, who live in this world and experience it, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that reality. And I'm not saying that life in this world is not precious because it is. What I'm saying is that life with Christ, life in the Lord's presence, is far greater and far better than anything this world has to offer. You know, a second chance at life is great and should be celebrated, but Jesus is still better than that. More time with your family, more time with loved ones is great and should be celebrated, but being with the Lord in His presence is even better than that. Life is always a precious and invaluable gift from God, but the gift of eternal life is even greater. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was crucified with two thieves, one to his right and one to his left. And one asked Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus respond to him? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Right? When we leave this life, when we leave our bodies behind, we will be with the Lord. And one day when Jesus returns, he will give our bodies new life. He, we will be resurrected like him. And we'll be in the presence of the Lord forever. And that is something wonderful. And, and we don't want to neglect the reality of that truth. Life here on earth for some is, is wonderful and it's a joy. And, and the more days we can experience of that, the better. And we, 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 that is true and we want to hold on to that because life, again, is always a precious gift from God. And yet at the same time, for those of us we know that, that have gone before us, that are in the presence of the Lord, uh, why would we want to take them away from that? Does that make sense? You know, we want to, you know, we want, Jesus knew what Lazarus was experiencing because Jesus knew and experienced that himself as the Son of God who had existed with God since the beginning of time. And so Jesus knew that to, to, to bring Lazarus back was to, to prolong or postpone that time that he had in the presence of the Lord. Life, for many of us, is hard. And we, and we acknowledge that. And there are hardships and there are difficulties. There is sorrow and grief and pain. But when we are with the Lord, when we have that experience of, of eternal life with him, all of those things will be gone. In Revelation chapter 21, it says that God has made everything new, that the old order of things has passed away, that he will wipe away the tears from our eyes and grief and sorrow, mourning, even death itself will be a thing of the past. See, I believe that's another reason why Jesus wept is because he knew that eternal life in that sense is greater than anything this world has to offer. And reason number four, the last thing I want to share with you this morning, is a reminder 
uh, that Lazarus' death, excuse me, was a reminder for Jesus of his own death and suffering that he was about to experience. Just as Lazarus' resurrection foreshadows Jesus' own resurrection, so too his death foreshadows Jesus' death. Jesus tells Martha and Mary that he is the resurrection and the life. But in order for Jesus to truly be those things and to experience them, he needed to conquer death and the grave. And so he went before us into death in order to conquer death. And he goes before us into eternal life so that we know that we have that promise and that assurance that eternal life is available for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9-10 through 10 says, For God did not appoint us, speaking of, of the body of believers, He did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that, the, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. See, that's the hope that we have in Christ, is for not just for this world, not just for this life, but for the life to come. And so... Jesus wept for Lazarus. He wept for the, for, for the separation of, of a loved one. He wept over death itself. He knew that we live in a world broken by sin, but Jesus also knew ultimately that he is the resurrection and the life. He knew that Lazarus was about to walk out of that grave and be reunited with his loved ones. But he also knew that one day all of us will experience the reality of death. All of us will be separated physically from our families. But the hope we have in Christ is that we will, when we leave this body behind, when we leave this world behind, we will be with him forever. And that when Jesus comes, he will bring us back in his new creation and we will live and experience that joy for all time. Let's hold on to that hope. Let's mourn with those who mourn. Let's rejoice with those who rejoice. And let us always keep our eyes on eternity as we do so. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the, the privilege of hearing from your word this morning. We thank you for the joy of, that you bring uh, to us through the gift of eternal life. Lord, uh, we understand that the, the, we, the reality of death, and we weep over the pain and the suffering and the grief that that brings. Help us to, Lord, both empathize with those who grieve around us, and also, Lord, help us to be a force of, of peace and comfort and hope in the midst of our sorrow. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. This time I want to invite forward Pastor Tori. She's going to give us a little reminder of a recap of, of this week of VBS, and the kids are going to close out our service with some joyful singing. Let's do that. Good morning. So we had an incredible week at VBS this year. Our theme was centered around encountering Jesus, and we did that. We encountered Jesus during crafts, music, games, and in our classroom time, and it was amazing. We also gave to two different mission projects this year. One was we raised money for a family in need. Uh, we were able to raise $1,800 for that local family in need, so that will be a huge blessing for them. And we also had f- over 400 canned goods brought in for Agape this year. Um, but, you know, each year there's a moment that always reminds me of why we do VBS and why it's so important. And this year I was sitting in on the first grade class, and Mike Howe was their teacher, and she was talking about having a relationship with Christ and spending eternity with Christ. And Mike mentioned how exciting it was going to be to be in heaven with Jesus and all the people that we might see. And all of a sudden, this little boy, out of just pure excitement and joy, yells, I'm so excited. And it was just so fun to see the excitement that he had of one day being with Christ in heaven, but also the excitement that he had of being with Jesus now and having a relationship with him right here and now. And that is why we do VBS each year, for those moments of, I'm so excited about Jesus. And so I really wish that you could see what happens every single day at VBS. I wish that you could walk in my shoes and see the way that we encountered Christ this week because it was incredible. But I truly believe that life change that happens at VBS doesn't just stay at VBS, that it's something that that carries through with our kids through each and every year. 
Um, but we did have an awesome week, and it wouldn't be possible without the community support that we receive from our churches. Uh, it's, we're so thankful for everyone that helps out. Thank you for the teachers, the helpers, the leaders, the students that come, um, and uh, most importantly, our churches. I cannot say thank you enough. And so now I'm going to invite our students up. Um, They have two songs they're going to share with you, and I hope that through these songs that you get a little glimpse of the excitement that they have for encountering Christ at VBS this year.
As Tori shared earlier, we had a wonderful week at VBS. It's such a blessing to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, as we close out our service, we're actually going to be walking down to the Methodist Church and be able to do this again at the start of their service just down the road. So uh, let's once again thank them for being here and, and sharing that with us. So cool. I invite you to, to pray with me as we close out our service. Lord, we thank you for the, the joy that these children bring to our service. We thank you for this amazing week of VBS that we had. And we thank you, Lord, that as their song just said, that you have put us first. I pray as we go from this place that you would, that you would continue to bless us, that, that we would, in response to your grace, learn to put you first in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may go in peace.